in our continuing discussion of the seven, the, the seven trumpets of judgment, where God has authorized His angel to give answer to the earth on the basis of the prayers of the saints, seven trumpets are being sounded. Four, the first four trumpets are distinctly different from the latter three. As I said, the first of the trumpets harks back to the plagues of Egypt and have to do with those people who belong to the Lord yet in the earth being set apart, being protected while the world is being shaken and the kingdom is advancing at that very time. The second of the trumpets was the destruction of one of the great systems and we identified that system that opposed the saints as commercial, the beginnings of the collapse of the global economy associated with the beast that oppressed the saints, uh, that, that actually devoured the whole earth, so much so that no one could buy or sell without acknowledging the hegemony of that global system. When the third angel sounded, and again the third of the first four, which are distinct from the last three, information is corrupted. A third of the information is so rendered so unreliable that men are dying uh, from literally dying, having imbibed this false information. Now when the fourth angel sounded, a third of the sun was struck. Later on, everything of this that is only destroyed now in thirds will be destroyed. But when the fourth angel sounded, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. Now obviously the reference to the sun, the moon and the stars are references to the way that light was physically put in creation on the fourth day. But they were put in creation on the fourth day to memorialize in the physical world that which had been spoken on the first day. And what was spoken at first was the intent of God for the thing that He was creating or for the thing that He was establishing. And what was that? Well, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. 
and God said, let there be light. The purpose of creation was declared in God's first command, let there be light, because until then, darkness was upon the surface of the deep. The deep is God Himself. Darkness was not in the deep, darkness was the surface, was on the surface of the deep, much like a veil upon a face. So when God said, let there be light, what is He telling us? He's saying, in all that is to follow, both the visible and the invisible realms, for at that time He created the heavens and the earth. All that is to follow constitutes a lifting of the veil of My presence. My intent is to make Myself known to you. So whenever we live in creation, in full acknowledgement of God's true purposes for creation, we walk in the light. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ came as the complete expression of that which had been begun in creation, to establish in the earth a new creation which is to say, the final installment of what was started in creation. So God said, let there be light, and in everything that was established in the heavens and in the earth, light came into the created world. The light that was supposed to augment, to support the revealing of what was ultimately the true divine intentions of God. So when Jesus comes into the earth, He comes as light. Let me read to you how that light is described in the Scriptures. This is from the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, Since we have this ministry, we have not received mercy, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. For if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe Note the following phrasing, it's magnificent. The God of this world whose uh, God has blinded, the God of this world, God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, 
not the light of the glory of Christ, but the light of the good news, the gospel of the glory of Christ. So what is the gospel? The gospel is of the glory of Christ. And that is light. We'll discuss that just momentarily. So the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is, and this is the glory of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. That's the term character. He is the stamped image, the spendable currency of the kingdom of heaven. And you'll recall that from earlier uh, messages. The image of the invisible God should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded, look at the language, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. When did he do that? Genesis 1.1, let there be light. For it is the God who commanded let light, commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us, For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in the body of our dying, the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the light of Jesus also be made manifest in our mortal bodies so that death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to that which is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, so we believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, will also raise us up with him and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. And while we are perishing, he says, we are being renewed. Now. This was the condition of the saints. They are the light of the world. Jesus said it this way, for I am the light of the world. And then he said, and you are the light of the world. 
A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Men do not light a candle, put it under a bushel, but in a candlestick, so it gives light to all that are in the house. All of that was implied when God said, let there be light. This is what was implied. The light of the glory of God that was to be seen in the face of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God who should shine on them. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So why did God say, let there be light? Ultimately, He meant to reveal who He is in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, whose face does Jesus wear today? For your life, for you died and your life, in Philippians it is said, is now hidden with God in Christ. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with Him in the glory of His appearing. So today, that's how the presence of Christ is carried in the earth. But to go back and to frame this whole matter fully, when God established creation, He did so with the express purpose of revealing Himself. That's why He said, let there be light. He was not talking primarily about the sun, the moon, and the stars. Why? Because light was so. It was so from that moment. But it was not until the fourth day that He established the sun, the moon, and the stars. And this is what He said about them. A greater light to rule the day, a lesser light to rule the night, and He made the stars also. And He set them, the the sun, the moon, the stars, He set them in the heavens, not only for the day and for the night, so that you'll have light in the day and light at night when the sun goes down, but they were also for, quote, signs and for seasons and for days and for years. But the knowledge of the signs and seasons was never meant to be distributed through the practice of astrology, which is to try to understand prophecy by a reference to the constellations. But instead, the wise men will see the star when it appears and knowing the ways of God, will understand that it pointed to the arrival of the King, the one who was the desire of the ages, appearing as a star 
in the constellation Virgo, indicating that the sign in the heavens is that on the earth a virgin has brought forth the desire of the ages. So these were meant to be understood that way. The physical world was meant to be understood by the leading and and the knowledge of the things brought by the Holy Spirit. So God did set the things in the heavens, light in the heavens, to tell us about divine things. When Christ came, He is the fulfillment of that which was set up as a type and shadow in the sun, the moon, and the stars. The physical world bears testimony of the invisible world. So the things that are not seen are clearly understood by the things that have been created. That is why men have no excuse. So what happens when the angel sounds and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon is struck, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise a third of the night. Now we talked about the Word before, when we saw wormwood falling upon the springs of water and rivers. This is a qualitative order of difference. This is about the light of revelation of the person of Christ. It was said of Israel, I think it's in the second chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, that in the days of Eli, the high priest at the time of Samuel, that in the days of Eli, Eli was such a corrupt high priest and the evidence of it was the corruption of his sons, that there were, quote, not many visions and the voice of God was seldom heard in Israel. And so men were walking in darkness, not knowing the times and the seasons. Do you understand how terrible it is to live at any time not knowing what God is doing? That's a darkness that's beyond an external darkness. That's a darkness that pervades the human being. It's darkness that seeps into your bones. What are these times then? They're times of profound despair, where you don't know. People don't understand what happens when you reject the truth because as long as the truth remains amongst mankind, walking around in the form of the body of Christ, God maintains an environment for their well-being. 
And in that capacity, he lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust because he's letting the rain fall on the just. He lets the light and the glory of the knowledge of Christ Jesus remain so that we're not walking in darkness for His Word is as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It explains what is next and how we are to live. Can you imagine, can you imagine right now how we who walk with God, what a condition of distress there would be amongst us and upon us if we didn't have any idea that God was in, was, was in the midst of all of this? If we did not know what God was doing, how would we get up and face the day? The unbelievers are already facing that and a church walking in darkness is becoming increasingly hysterical, hysterical. You cannot watch the behavior of certain leaders of the evangelical church and conclude anything other than a a level of delusion has set in that has produced hysteria. But it, it, it isn't nearly what it's going to be. But for those who walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses us and presents us with a good conscience to God. But in the days of these things, full darkness will not come until later. But as it begins to be judged, it's a third, a third of the revelation of things will have come. Third, and as a consequence of that, if you you look in the book of Amos, I believe it's the eighth chapter, let me look. Here's what he says, verse 9, speaking of a time of darkness upon Israel, just prior to the Babylonian captivity, he says in verse 9, Amos 8, and it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that I will make the sun go down at noon and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on on every waist and baldness on every head and I will make it like mourning for an only son and its end like a bitter day." What did God promise? He promised that the sun would go down at noon on a clear day and He will darken the earth. Now to Israel was this promise given and it did happen. In fact, 
You want to know something fascinating? On that day, do you know what day it was when the sun went down at noon on a clear day? It was the day when Jesus was crucified. What happened to Israel right after that? This was prophesying not the Babylonian captivity. It was prophesying the Roman captivity. It's the longest of the captivities of Israel. They were in Egypt for 430 years. They were in Babylon for 70 years. But they were in Roman captivity for nigh unto 2,000 years. And in 1948, they began to come back. It is not a good thing when revelation is taken from the earth. Uh, Amos also describes this time as a time when uh, there will be a famine for bread. A famine not as for bread, but a famine for the Word of God. So when a third is struck and darkness comes, hopelessness comes upon mankind. But you note again, it's a third. For the light of the glory of the presence of God will remain among and remain with the believers. Verse 13, And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth! because of the remaining blast of the trumpet and of the three angels who are yet to sound. The, when the fifth angel sounded, he said, I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace." Let me, me, because we're running out of time now, let me tell you what is about to happen when the three remaining angels sound their trumpets. In the first four, it's all about the earth being changed, systems collapsing, um, information collapsing, wisdom, knowledge, understanding collapsing. But in the last three, that which is in the second heavens, the demonic, opens out upon the earth. And these judgments of the earth will be the fierce judgments 
of unconscionable beings. And he'll begin to reveal how God intends to encapsulate and conclude the age. Do you think it's important that we know these things ahead of time? Do you think it's important that we revisit the scriptures now and be ready in as much as we're not going to be raptured? This is about preparing people, preparing God's people so they do not They do not wander in the darkness, in the powerlessness when being handed over to the rule of the demonic. These are all the things that have been going on amongst mankind all this time and that's why God in bringing judgments is giving to a man, giving to human beings that which has been in their hearts. I the Lord, I search the hearts to give to every man according to his thoughts, according to his deeds. And whereas individual mankind may not have had these particular things in their hearts, collectively mankind has depended upon the cosmos and thumbed its nose at God. And this is a day when the wrath of God has come, but it is pouring out upon mankind the very thing that they poured out upon the saints, being motivated in their doings by the opponent of God and man, by the enemy of God and man. And it's time for this judge. When the times of these judgments come, they will reflect the fierce wrath of God. I'm not speaking these things to the world, they're foolish things to those who are perishing. I'm calling the people of God back to the understanding of the things that have been written, calling us back out of the waywardness of unbelief, having abandoned the truth in favor of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life calling a people back to the standards of divine righteousness so that they might live in the protection and care of the living God which He designed and has implemented in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. While every pretender, every fool who is thought to make a mockery out of God by thinking that he could align himself or herself with words and appear to be righteous, having a form of godliness but never submitting, never having their heads cut off, never having a renewed mind, there will be that time of separation. Not because I want it to be so, but because the living God has has decreed that it is going to be so. I'm merely a messenger of these things to disabuse you that walking in darkness grants you any lasting benefit and to invite you to come back 
to your great estate from which you may have once fallen and to be renewed according to the divine purposes of God. I'm Sam Solon. We continue to plow through the book of Revelation for the times of the disclosures of these things has come. Amen.